Hello, and welcome to the thrilling conclusion in our three-part 20 questions trilogy, hence three-part. That was redundant. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, everyone, all three of us can start episodes very, very well. So, so if you haven't seen the previous two episodes, you should probably listen to those first. I guess, how would you have seen them? This is a podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous two episodes, you should do that first. Uh, and... Uh, 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 I'll explain it anyway, <laughs> if you don't go listen to those. Uh, yeah. Basically, uh, uh, one person is being asked ten questions each by the two other hosts, and uh, the questions that are being asked are pertaining to the uh, the person being asked's field of choice. Uh, in the first episode, we asked Eric questions about gaming. Uh, some of them were specifically competitive gaming-based. And then uh, in the second episode, we asked Ryan about programming. And in this thrilling conclusion, I'm going to be answering questions about music. That's literally the only thing I know anything about. <laughs> oh, that's okay. More. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess not anymore. Yeah, I guess I've learned very many things in the past recording. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm ready to answer questions. Uh, I'll start. So here's here's a pretty interesting question, right? So, is there any type of music or specific song that you used to like but don't anymore? If so, why? And if not, then no. Music or specific song that I used to like, don't anymore? Yes. If if there's hmm. not, then just skip the question. <laughs> interesting. Type. Um, I've honestly had a lot of the inverse effect, oh. where once I once I got into music school, um, I knew you were once, I got, once I got into music school, I uh, I started to kind of open up my mind and broaden my horizons, which is not what everyone who goes to music school does. I watch a YouTuber by the name of Charles Cornell. He's blown up lately, and he's been ta he's been talking a lot about the fact that when he was in music school, he went to Berkeley Conservatory. Or it's not a conservatory, Berkeley, the jazz school at uh, in it's in Boston. It's a very high, highly known jazz mm. music school. Oh, that's where our uh, cousin goes, the one that we were just referring to. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, Berkeley. Um, I believe. So. Uh, Anyway, so Charles Spinner went to Berkeley, and he he said that while he was there, I, th I think that's what he was saying, was that while he was there, he was a lot more of a, uh, he was kind of stuck up about different, like, he, he was he was kind of very, like, high and mighty about, like, jazz is better than pop music and whatever, but now, um, now that he's kind of uh, doing what he does on YouTube, he's definitely opened his mind a lot more to pop music, and I, I've noticed that I've done a very similar thing with certain genres and things, um... I definitely used to be um, a lot, not a lot less open-minded, but I definitely didn't um, didn't have the same respect that I do now for genres like hip hop and uh, and contemporary pop music um, and things like that. I definitely have a lot more respect for them now, and I'm definitely a lot more open-minded to uh, to listening to them and hearing about them, and um, and I'm really glad that I've adopted that philosophy because. Uh, it allows me to connect with a lot more musicians 
um, because they are musicians. As, as, as much as people will try and say uh, hip-hop isn't music, um, I don't yeah. at all agree with that philosophy, and I definitely think that uh, people who... Uh, I definitely think that people who subscribe to that philosophy genuinely... Like, of course, you can make jokes and all that, but if you genuinely subscribe to the philosophy that hip-hop isn't music, then you're disrespecting a whole culture, essentially, and you're disrespecting... You're not... You're, you're it, by by saying that hip hop isn't music, um, that that's that's just incorrect. It's it's literally just not correct. But, that is like not by the definite. Yeah, that is not correct. Um, but yeah, seriously, like, uh, so yeah, really, I've just kind of had the inverse effect. That's awesome. Uh, where, you know, th there's there's really not a genre of music that I used to like that I don't anymore. I definitely, I. I if I were to go on my phone and, and scroll through my music library, there's a ton of different things in there. There's there's classic rock from the 80s. There's uh, romantic era classical music from the 1840s. There's uh, the jazz from the 1940s. There's, uh, you know, it's it's there's a Everything. ton of different stuff. Yeah. Um, and contrary to many people's opinion, I enjoy country music. That's another, that's another genre that, yeah that's another genre that really gets uh ragged on and i will admit that uh in, i haven't loved the last few years of country music i would say my favorite era of country music is probably um probably late, late 90s early 2000s but anyway i'm sorry i'm going off on a huge song. tangent immediately i actually well i won't say that all right i want to save that anyway anyway um yeah, that's that's my answer to that, I guess. Good answer. Huh. Jason. Yes. What are some of the instruments you wish you you grew up learning now that you're so into music and composition? Um Okay, so for those who don't those who are listening and don't really know my story, um I I currently attend music school for composition, but uh, the music school that I attend also requires that all instrument or all music majors have a primary instrument, and so my primary instrument is currently percussion. But it wasn't always that way. I started playing music on the saxophone, and I played that for about seven, eight years, and then I just completely transitioned to percussion. And because of that, um, I think the first thing that I wish I did was I wish I started learning percussion much earlier. Granted, though, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if if my life would have been the same if I started percussion back then, because I think, I think, what happened is kind of what led me to where I am now. And I'm a, I'm a I'm a big believer in the whole butterfly effect thing, where if you were to go back and change a small thing in the past, it would have mm -hmm. really drastic consequences on the future. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's one of the things that that allows me to. That's one of the things that that's that's helped me to not dwell on the past so much. Um, I do still dwell on the past a lot probably too much still but definitely having that sort of butterfly effect mentality has helped me to not do that yeah. so much but uh think like uh, a butterfly i definitely would I, would I would love to be better at percussion and the only way to really get better at an instrument is just to you know practice it for a long time and really dedicate yourself to it but uh other than that i would say maybe i wish i explored different saxophones because i really only played an alto saxophone for those whole seven years, but well, that's a lie. I did I did venture into soprano saxophone a little, huh. um, but I, I I would would have loved to have gotten a chance to try tenor and even more so baritone, 
Baritone saxophone is really fun. I love the sound of Barry sax. My voice just cracked. Uh, I love the sound of Barry sax. Barry sax. Definitely didn't sound like a Barry sax. But anyway, yeah. So definitely just more of the saxophone family, and it would have been cool to have started percussion earlier so I could be better right now. But the sax fan. The sax fan. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So. What would be your dream composition job? Like working on what would it be working on, or something like that? That's an interesting. That's, that is an interesting question. At this current one, moment, probably. it is. It is kind of a difficult question. I heard a very audible sigh. At this. At this current. Uh, at this current point in my composition, I'm very interested in scoring various forms of media whether it be video games, film, television. Um, but I'm definitely leaning more toward film video game because television would be nice, but there's not that many television shows that have the kinds of scores that video games and, and film do just yeah. by the nature of, of television. Because you have such a limited time to tell a story within an episode on television, you can't really have music kind of getting in the way of the dialogue unless it's not a very dialogue-driven show. But I don't really know very many television shows that aren't dialogue-driven. Um so, like, with film, though, there are, bit, like, the the classic moment that I can think of to, to prove this point that I'm about to say is the, the, the moon scene from E.T., mm. where you don't need dialogue to have a great moment in film. Um, and there's just that scene where Elliot and E.T. are on the bicycle, and it's flying in front of the moon, and there's that sweeping flying theme by John Williams. It's just, it's such a great moment in cinema. Let's have a John um, Williams And you don't even need counter. dialogue. What? 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 What'd you say? Let's have a John Williams What'd counter. <laughs> a John Williams counter, yeah. Alright, we're already at two. Two for me alone. Um there'll be many more, I'm sure. But anyway. A Fortnite so, calendar for me. Fortnite calendar. Um anyway, so uh definitely a dream composition job would probably be working on probably working on working on either we're going either like a, a feature length film or or maybe like working on a, a Nintendo game or maybe like a, an indie indie game that gets published by Nintendo or something hmm. something along those lines nice it sounded Is like it I stole it's... your question Eric <laughs> yeah I, I got I got I got that impression as well <laughs> um actually it, it's kind of kind of on along along the line a little bit oh my gosh <laughs> what <laughs> would you like to try again yeah okay go. Um, all right let's start the whole it's thing kind of along the line <laughs> all right um so when you finish college and you're officially a composition major with a bachelor's yep. degree he said uh-huh. do you see yourself going and composing music for up and coming premiere movies for popular movie making companies um if if if, if there's a if if there's a movie studio that that finds my work and wants me to work if there's a director that that hears what I write and and hears that it's obviously really heavily inspired by John Williams and likes that then I'll happily work on the film though in a similar vein to some of the things that Ryan said um and even some of the things that Eric said in his episode too if it if it's a film that I'm not interested in or if it's like if if I'm not and if, if I don't find myself invested in the story, it's going to be much harder for me to 
find any sort of passion in in writing music for it. And currently, I'm at a point as as a as a music major, as a as a, a blossoming composer, if you will. Um, I'm kind of at a point where I make pretty much all of the decisions as to what I write, for the most part. Um, though I do know that if I'm working under a director, it'll be more so, you know, I'm I'm just writing music that is to, supposed to complement this scene, right. and yeah. uh, you know, I'm not. The, the music isn't always going to be all there is, you yeah. know. Um, but what what is kind of a silver lining for me when I think about that is I will get that big kind of moment in the credits, hopefully. Because mm. the credits, you know, the credits is just like, you know, you're seeing... I mean, of course, maybe there are people who watch and are genuinely curious, like, who did what and who... Maybe if it's like an animated film, who who voiced this character, if they can't obviously tell. Or for me, I usually stay for the credits to see who composed the music if I don't already know. Um, if it's something like Star Wars, I'll, I'll know it's John Williams. But if Disney continues with Star Wars into the future, I'm not sure how many more of those he can do, considering that he's already 88 years old. But anyway, um, but yeah, like if if. Um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten what your question was. <laughs> oh, do I see myself uh, writing for film? I mean, I, I really would love to, and uh, I, I do I do have some friends from from middle school and from high school who are going into things like that. I, Ooh, I have a I have a friend who uh, I have a friend from middle school. Uh, his name is Ethan, and he, uh, he he. I believe he still wants to be a filmmaker. He has a couple short films on YouTube. They're really, really good. I watched one of them just the other day. What was the title of that? Oh, I can't remember. It was such a good little short film. Um, so good. I don't know. I, 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 I might put it in the in the description of this podcast. Mm, good in idea. Case I can't remember it at any point. But uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I mean, and plus, I'm sure that I'll get other connections throughout my college experience um the the music school that i attend isn't just a music school it's a school of the arts um and in that we also have a filmmaking department and maybe there will be some collaboration opportunities while Ooh, i'm still attending awesome. school to work with the film the filmmaking department i'm pretty sure there are some of those sort of things in the works already that would be um, awesome wow. so that could that could get me some really good early connections and if any of these filmmakers uh need composers then you know, they'll, they'll know where to start so I, I would love to. I, I don't know. It's it's what I want to do, and it's what I'll pursue. So if that's if that's what it takes, if it takes me pursuing it to get it, then maybe I will. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, if you try for it, you, <laughs> you might, might get, get it. it. <laughs> All right. So this this is sort of related to the the career aspect of it, but I promise not all my questions are like that. Uh huh. And it's again sort of related to the previous ones but about how much money do composers make because i have no idea and and i just thought that would be an interesting thing at, at this point in my learning that's not something that i've really been informed of mm. i what i what i can say is the different ways that we can make money that i okay. can kind of see so far um what i have learned about is different things such as performance royalties uh, commissions are a big way that a lot of composers make their money, um, and essentially, if you, if you, for those who don't know, um, 
commissions in a lot of different fields, including the stuff that Ryan does with freelancing uh, mm -hmm. programming, is uh, a commission is essentially just someone coming to you requesting something, and then you sort of you know you negotiate the price of it um, and things like that. So a lot of a lot of people who do any sort of freelance work work based on commissions that they get, and composers aren't aren't different from that. Um, See, coding is at least just like composing. You know, you know, freelance composers, um, but those who are like compose for film, uh, those who compose some some people some composers works like in publishing companies. One of the biggest publishing companies in the United States is Hal Leonard Publishing. Uh, they have in-house composers that specifically write um, write music directly for the Hal Leonard Publishing Company. Hmm. Um, but uh, I personally uh, intend to self-publish, at least for now. I don't know if that'll change eventually, but. Right now, it is, is my full intention to publish my own music. And the benefits of self-publishing are that you get all royalties. You don't have to split the the earnings with any publishing company. You get everything, um, mm. which is, is a way for composers to make more money is to self-publish. It, it'll, it'll be a little bit harder to promote at first, but um, if you're able to have enough success, then self-publishing should be just as, as fruitful overall. Um, and like I said, I mentioned that there are royalties, and for those who don't know what that means, royalties are just uh, royalties are just money that a composer or otherwise receives when something is like in the case of composition, royalties are received when the piece is performed, when the piece is used in a commercial thing, like like a like an advertisement or a film. Uh, royalties are paid to the composer, um, and that just makes sense. You know, they're getting paid to. Because their thing is being used, yeah. um, that's kind of the main way that I would make money in in the world of film is through royalties and things. Um, there are also composition competitions, that uh, those are really an early way that a lot of composers tend to really start getting their music out there. Um, and a lot of times those competitions will have monetary prizes, although um, it isn't really my intention to enter them primarily for the money yes it's good to have and yes it's good especially because i'm a college student and you know any money i can get is always good to you know pay the term bill and all that all that there's jazz. a donate button below the but, podcast um, <laughs> don't think there is but uh um i do intend on entering more competitions when i have the the piece that fits their uh their regulations and whatnot I've entered one. I don't know if that answers any of your questions. It does. Or anything, but I've, I, 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 I won't go into... I'll go into that when you want to ask that one. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so some competitions have monetary gain, but I guess I'll get into more competitions when you want to talk about Um But yeah, so really, you know, there are plenty of different ways for a composer to make money. It just depends on kind of what they what they want to do and what connections. They as far as I can tell so far. I mean, I'm only in... I'm only just about to start my second year. As, yeah. As a composition major awesome eric you're up yes you're up um yeah i, I thought that was eric's question i'm so confused now nope, that was mine <laughs> i i completely lost track of the question that was okay. That's okay eric okay um <laughs> Um, since you enjoy music that involves mostly an orchestra playing them or other instruments that you can physically hold, what are what are your opinions or 
thoughts on electronic music? Not necessarily do you like it or not, but do you think it's easier or harder to succeed in that type of music than the type that you um, are are going to college for? Or well, um, actually, honestly, I'm I'm not just going for music. Go, going uh, to school for you know traditional music because uh, some of the things that I'm some of the things that I'm being taught, like I, I just in in the semester that I just finished in uh, in the spring. I took a class called Digital Audio Composition, and it focused entirely on all of the different electronic and digital aspects of creating music. It 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 uh, it taught us the basics of DAWs, digital audio workstations, which are what are that's what electronic producers use to make their music. Essentially, um, uh, we learned about basic synthesis, and when I, when I say synthesis, I mean literally synthesizing different waveforms to create new sounds because that that's all that a synthesizer is when i say synthesizer most probably think of a, an electronic keyboard but synthesizers can really be anything uh, yeah. a synthesizer is essentially just you know it, it's a whole thing but um because be, because technology is advancing whether or not we do anything about it m music while while a lot of music academia is really slow to embrace that kind of stuff and and it's really kind of stuck in the past um i do i i am very appreciative of the fact that i am getting even a base level education in, in sort of these kind of things and I, I i would love to learn more about that the professor that i had for this class uh, his name is dr stephen kemper you can look him up uh he's done a lot of really cool stuff he he he's a composer but he also he also creates machines. He like, I, I'm trying to remember the specifics of it. I believe he designed a robot that interprets dancers' movements oh and gosh. creates music based on the dancers' movements. It's so crazy. That and is... the fact that we have that kind wow. of faculty, or the fact that we have that that professor on 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 our faculty, um, is is a really cool thing to think about because. Um, because that that means we can get into the world of electronic music. Because uh, the 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 start of electronic music really was kind of based in in classical. Really early electronic music was uh, the the one of the first electronic instruments was called the theremin. And it's uh, you you've probably heard the theremin before in like fifties horror soundtracks. That like really stereotypical sound. Um, I don't want to try and mimic it because my voice can't go high enough. But um, from from there, electronic music kind of branched out, and as as music itself advanced through the 20th century, with uh, with advancements in, in jazz, which led to the blues, which led to rock and roll, which led to you know all the other genres that have expanded from from all that, um, and that all happened in the 20th century. It, it's so crazy to think about the fact that pretty much, I would say the music that is most popular now has really only been around for less than a century hmm. um, and that's different throughout history on, yeah. but it's based on centuries of development hmm. um i'm sorry i'm, I'm kind of like do it kind of giving a roundabout way to get to your question and i, am I, I have a question to... actually based on like it's related you have a it's question. it's I, not one of it's I not do... one of my questions <laughs> I do want to finish answering Eric's question, though, okay. if you don't mind. Sorry. No, like, this isn't um, a question, a new question. 
Oh, okay. Go go for it then. If it's that if it's that part. theremin thing is that is that the instrument in the Twilight Zone sound uh, intro song? Um, I don't know. I Never don't mind. think so. I haven't heard. It. Anyway, I might, I might have to listen to that. I don't think there's a theremin in that. But anyway, so um, in terms of electronic music, um, I've already learned like a decent bit about its history, and um, I'm I'm really interested in it because uh, there's a whole area of music called electroacoustic music where it's taking basically merging those two things where the the thing you're talking about with you know orchestras and bands and, and instruments you physically hold that's that's all known as acoustic music um and so when you take when you take instruments like that and then you pair them up with electronics it's known as electroacoustic music and that's a whole field um and uh that's a field that i've only really like really barely explored to this point i have one piece that i wrote it's called city lights it's written for saxophone quartet and electronics it's not the electronic track is not very good and i want to improve it and i intend to improve it at some point but i like the saxophone parts i just need to make the electronic parts better but that'll take some learning and and you know exploring some things um but in terms of like purely electronic music, there's a lot of electronic music that I really do like, and I know that you said it's like not a question of do you like it or not, but um, I will say that I do have a ton of respect for for people who make it, um, and uh, I don't know a lot about it, but I I do think that I will learn more about it as I go on, just by the nature of it's what's around, you know. Not not all music is going to be classical. Not all music is going to yeah. be one thing and so there's so many different like like i mentioned before there's um i've tried to open my mind to a lot more things and believe it or not there's a lot of music out there there's so many people who want to make it and because and well not because but a lot of a lot of technology is becoming a lot more available and accessible so that so many more people can make music and music production is becoming a lot more a lot more available to people i'm sure you I, you, may, you maybe have heard the term like bedroom producer or something something along those lines of like producing music from your bed so many people can do that now because you can just get a digital audio workstation on on a laptop that's what i'm i'm that's the only computer i have is a laptop and that's how i write all of my music that's how i make all of it so mm -hmm. um the fact that it's becoming so available is allowing so many more people to express themselves and to it's just making music so i don't know it's just it's allowing the musical community to grow and it's it's making it so that music isn't as exclusive as it used to be because you know i don't know a whole lot about music history but i do know that um there was a time in history when being a composer or being a, a musician was you know, like you were classy if you were a composer, you know, and there were composers that were viewed in the same way that today we view rock stars and we view the big hip hop artists and, and producers and DJs today. Mm -hmm. um, that back in whatever 1800 or in, in that 1800s century, there were composers like Franz Liszt, who was an insanely good pianist. And a lot of his pieces were based on look at what I can do. He was a very flashy pianist, hmm. to my knowledge. Um, but he was, he was like a rock star at the time. Pretty much. Nice. Um, 
He has some good music, though. I don't know a lot of lists stuff, but I do like what I do. Could you list I'm it? I'm sorry. I, I, uh, Totentons to is that. a piece of my Franz list. Can you list any more? No. Okay. No. I, 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 know that I, I know that I know of other ones. Totentons is always the one that I think of first when but, I think of lists. But you couldn't make a anyway, list. Sorry. I, I said so many other things than your question, <laughs> but then I eventually kind of got the answer in there. Uh-huh. All right. So, uh, let me, okay, let me go out a little out of order. Relatedly, seeing as your con okay, well, this isn't the only style that you compose in, but the mainly the main style you compose in is orchestra and band. What is yeah, mostly what what would you say? What would you say is the most surprising song or type of music that you like to listen to? That's that's tough. I feel like I feel like to people I would I would probably think that most people probably wouldn't expect me to like country. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I figured probably wouldn't be, expect yeah. me to, people probably wouldn't expect me to like some of the hip hop that I like. I don't like all hip hop. Um I, I also don't like all classical. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, there's not a lot of like, I don't listen to a ton of Mozart or Bach. I, I, I will just by the nature of being in music school, I'm going to hear it a lot. Um, but I tend toward the romantic era when I, in classical music, I tend toward composers like Tchaikovsky, Dvorak, uh, a little bit of Chopin, but mostly those like orchestral romantic composers. And I, I I've, I've recently found a, a, a particular liking to 20th century composers like, uh, like Aaron Copeland, hmm. um, yeah, so as far as like surprising genres, I'd probably think people wouldn't expect me to like some of the hip hop that I like and some of the uh, and some of the country that I like. Yeah, all right, Eric. <laughs> it's your turn. Jeez. Um, this was. I feel like I know the answer already. That's okay. Should I ask it? Listeners don't know. <gasps> all right. Um, have you ever had the chance to compose or arrange a piece of music with a live orchestra there with you? If not, did you ever That's have the opportunity question. to wow. do that or change a note in a song then that, then and there when playing something in band or college while playing? Um, that is a pretty good question. So, unfortunately, I have not yet gotten the opportunity to have a live orchestra in front of me. Although I do have a lot of orchestral pieces. Um, I, w I was very fortunate in high school, though. I had I had a band director who was really supportive of what I was doing. And uh, I was in my high band. And uh, as a junior in high school, um, I approached my band director with uh, my arrangement of John Williams' theme from Jurassic Park. There's like number six or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I, I wanted, I wanted my band to play four. it because that theme... Okay, I wasn't counting, but that theme has always that theme has meant so much to me for for years, and uh, probably since like the year before that sophomore year is really when I started to get into John Williams's music, and I really started to listen to it and think about it a lot more than just kind of hearing it in movies and whatever. Um, and it was that theme from Jurassic Park that really stuck with me first and really kind of got me to where I am, I think. Um, and uh, so I approached him with it, and he he said we we could take a look at it in in class because I I in, at my high school 
concert band was taken during the school day and it was treated as a class oh, um so so we took a look at it uh one day in, in a rehearsal and uh and it, it went pretty well for a sight read and then from that point on we kept rehearsing it and the arrangement got performed at the spring concert of my junior year of high school um which was pretty cool i i didn't get to conduct that one i was performing in the ensemble but that was really my first experience with i wrote something for a group of players to perform um and that wasn't a composition though but arrangement was kind of really i think arrangement was my first big step i, I don't know if i started with arrangement but um there's like one specific early composition that i can remember that i wrote uh around halloween it was kind of had that like goofy kind of like kind of goofy spooky vibe um it, the piece was not good whatsoever it had repeats every four bars for no reason um because i didn't know how structure worked um but uh but i i i don't think i can't remember if arrangement was like because okay let me really quick for those who don't know the, the difference between composition and arrangement composition refers to writing a piece completely originally with no other uh, there's you know inspiration can come but uh composition is you're not literally taking the same notes that someone else wrote. Arrangement is just doing just that, taking the notes that someone else wrote and, um, you know, either putting it into a different context, uh, writing it out for a different, writing it out for a different ensemble, um, things like that. Um, so now that that's out of the way, I can kind of continue with this. So um, after that, that was so. Yeah, that was like my big first. You know, here's I. I I contributed to this in some way, and now we're performing it. Um, then, in the beginning of my senior year of high school, I approached my band director again with the idea to um, for another arrangement. That time I arranged the, the Little Drummer Boy, because we usually did a, a winter concert themed around the winter holidays, Christmas, uh, you know, Hanukkah, all those. It was mostly aimed at Christmas, though, for, for the band. Because there's a lot more Christmas literature that's widely recognized in the United States. Yeah. Um, because I feel, like, I feel like Christmas has become so detached from religion for so many people. Um, I don't know. Obviously, it hasn't for everyone, but I feel like in I feel like generally it's become so much more of a capitalism thing than a religion thing at this point. Um, but anyway, uh, so I arranged the Little Drummer Boy. It's one of those you know classic Christmas tunes or whatever. Um, I will say that the choir had a lot more multicultural stuff, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I wasn't in the choir. I just... We performed at the same concert, whatever. Okay, so I arranged a little drummer boy, and that one I actually got to conduct. That was my first time conducting an ensemble live in front of an audience before. Wow. Um, that was really neat. And to kind of go back to your question, that was one of those situations where we rehearsed it a lot during class leading up to the concert, and there were a couple different changes that would be made. Because that, that's what happens generally for a lot of composers when they actually, when they, when they quote-unquote finish their piece and they bring it to the ensemble, um, the ensemble will play it, and then uh, if there are some issues with, like, playability, if there are things that aren't working in the, in the acoustic space, um, if there are things that kind of didn't come through so much in the, the MIDI uh, triggered version yeah, yeah. that are coming through better in the in the live version or vice versa. You know, there are a lot of changes that get made when a composer brings the piece to an ensemble. Um, and that that's happened plenty with me before. Um, 
And I got I got a couple other great opportunities in high school too. I won't go into detail about every single one, but um, I will say that my first my first live original composition was not performed by my high school band. I believe it was performed by it was performed by a, a community band that I had joined. Um, was it that parade one? No, they didn't do parades, but uh, they lived there. They they were a, a community band from a couple towns over from where we live, um, and uh, it, it was it was a great group of people. A lot of them were older people. Um, I had a lot of fun there, um, and uh, I I asked if they would perform my piece, and luckily they they said yes. I conducted that. That's awesome. Um, the, the audience wasn't big. Um, that was my piece, Fanfare for Change, and heard that on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was really cool, and it was it was really neat to hear it played by real. Um, and then soon after that, my high school did pre- premiere a an original composition, which is also on my YouTube channel now. The Passing Storm, it's one that I just re I just reorchestrated that one recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just put that up. Um, that one was, so that was the first, uh, that was the first big premiere with my high school of a completely original composition. Um, and yeah, so I, 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 and then now that I'm in college, um, I've had two pieces performed. One was a recording and the other one was for an audience. Uh, the recording is currently on my YouTube channel. It's the Raritan River March because uh, I attend Rutgers University, which is along a river called the Raritan River. And uh, <clears throat> and it was March I, when you made it. It was not March. It was July, and uh, I called it that because it's a March. Whoa! Um, inspired a lot by John Philip Sousa and all those sort of American. Well, I was about to um, add one to my John Williams counter. Nope. <laughs> Um, You're actually counting? Yeah, uh, of course I am. And then the other piece that was performed for an audience was one of the movements from my first string quartet, which is currently still in the works. Uh, two of The first two movements are complete. The third movement just needs one more minute-long section, and then the fourth movement is about halfway finished. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to get finished, though, totally, because it's probably the longest piece that I've written to date. It's totaling... A little under twenty minutes. Wow. Um, and that's all four movements. Um, the first movement is probably about how many pages? I don't know. I mean, it's only for four instruments. You know, I can put okay. multiple systems on a page, but um, so wow, that's my experience wow. with having pieces performed. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really lucky. I also got a, a solo piano piece recorded during quarantine because uh, um, right before right before we got sent into quarantine um while i was still up at at at, at rutgers um we the uh we started discussing that semester's project in our sort of composers seminar that we have each week um where all the all the composition majors in the department um meet together and discuss different things um and that semester's big project was going to be everyone would write a piece for solo piano and i I hadn't done that up to that point, so this was like my first real successful solo piano piece. Um, but I didn't write it until we already started quarantine, and I wrote the entire thing within quarantine. Um, and I came up with the title, 
the title is Robin in a Rainstorm. And I very cleverly got that title from Looking Out My Window. That's <laughs> smart. Uh, yeah. So uh, so I looked out the window, saw a bird. It was kind of rainy outside. And I looked up I looked up birds that are native to our area. And, uh, you don't know what a I, Robin I, looks I, like? Well, I don't, I don't know birds very well. Um, and I saw a Understand. picture of a Robin that looked really similar to the bird I saw outside. So um, I just, you know, assumed it was a Robin and and there was my title and so i uh so I, we, we wrote the pieces we submitted them and they had a really talented pianist record them all oh wow wow that's so, awesome. yeah it was it was it was really neat um I hear that now yeah it's on your youtube channel I don't, right no, no not Robin oh, right. Rain Storm. i i never i never got the the footage i can see if i can find it see if it was emailed to me I don't know why I didn't buy it. Never heard the pianist play it? No, we did. They did like a live uh, Zoom call uh, where we watched it. It was also recorded during that present. Was it being, was it just like a fun little project that well, everyone I mean, got was, to enjoy? Like, I don't think, I think, I don't think we were graded on quality because, you know, obviously music's very subjective. Um, I'm pretty sure that if we didn't do it, we would have not done very well. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you didn't do it, you wouldn't have done well. Yeah, um, like grade wise, I mean. It's like if you don't, uh, if you can't play Fortnite, you would, you're not wouldn't if you like... couldn't. Yeah. Uh, this is probably going on for so long. Already. Yeah, how long have we been going? Sorry, About forty minutes. <laughs> I'm only on my so, fifth question. So sorry, guys. Okay, um, please continue. Wait, me turn. My yes, it was your yeah. question. Uh, all right let's uh let's bring it down to about an hour per question all right <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> all right so uh okay i can cross that one out or no wait no i can't um oh aren't prepared for this you had so much time to prepare while i was talking for so all long. right what what composition of yours are you personally most proud of? According to the my watch. According yes. Um, Please put that on that your YouTube channel. That, that is not a piece that will probably ever be public. Um, that was uh, for those who who don't know, which is probably everyone. Uh, According to the my watch was a joke piece that I wrote when I was tired late at night. Uh, I literally just spammed random notes into Muse Score. It was written for accordion. And harmonica and watch and, uh, <laughs> and the title was supposed to be accordion to my watch, but like I mentioned, it was really late at night and I was tired, so I accidentally put the word the in there, and then I saw it, and I started cracking up. It's so, so much I better. It. It's so much better. It is this so much way. better. Accordion to the my watch. And I'm pretty sure I spelled accordion wrong too. Um, huh. That was really early on. That's probably in my first year of composing at all. Um, so what? Uh, aside from that, so what's your most favorite? Yeah proud of whatever um i've written a lot of pieces that i've been a lot more proud of lately and granted you know i'm being i'm having Makes sense consistent feedback and i'm i, I have a teacher now who's like a one-on-one -on -one composition teacher so I've, I've been learning a lot more um interactively there um but uh i would have to say as a toppy because there are a lot of different pieces. I, I mm, can you see why this question was tough on. for me? 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, see, I, I, you know, yep, yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate being kind of forced to feel some pride. Yeah, because I don't always feel it. Um, I guess. Hmm. Probably looking at my like finished pieces right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very happy with how my first ever big band chart turned out. It's not my favorite piece I've ever written, but I'm really happy with how it turned out for being my first big band chart. Um, Fanfare for Change always has a nice place in my heart. It's not my favorite. Uh, Passing Storm, you know, piece I've been I've been writing for two years now, and it finally has kind of come to the place where I wanted it to be. Start. Um, uh, hmm. This is tough. Robin in a Rainstorm. My, the weird thing about Robin in a Rainstorm is that, uh, my composition professor, when I first showed it to her, um, she really enjoyed it. And I would, it was, it was a piece that I was really, really unsure of. I had a lot of doubts. Of hmm. Um, but it's funny because she had a similar experience herself with a piece that she published um where she hated it and then she i think i think she like showed it to her husband and her husband was like you need to publish this this is good um it might not have been her husband but it was somebody that she showed it to and it was and it, it became one of her most popular pieces and still is today wow, wow. That's and I, it, it's just like, like it's, it's it's always the things that you don't like that become the most popular kind of forced to like them but then you listen to them more and you you kind of see um, that is a great maybe, way to put that. Wow. Yeah. Philadelphia Fanfare is a piece. I haven't that that one's not public, but I'm very very happy with that one. It's it's very hard to pick one. I I can I can see where you were at there. Um, at least you're listening I things. The, I was just stumped. Yeah, yeah. I guess out of the ones that are public, I'd say the current form of my percussion sextet echoes, which is currently on my YouTube channel. I'm really happy with how much that piece has evolved. Um, from the original version, which was like kind of repetitive, um, mm-hmm. the new version it has a lot of similar things, but toward the middle and the end of the piece, it really kind of develops. There's much more of a, an arc to it. Um, it feels a lot more technical um, for percussionists, and it feels a lot more mature. Um, it's longer, which is always good for for classical writing because I guess classical music is obsessed with being long. For some weird reason, um, and there's like weird pressure to write long music. But I mean, you know, sometimes. Although, if uh, if we're talking about unfinished works, that um are still kind of work in progress, I'd say my proudest piece is probably my string quartet, because yeah. uh, I came I came really far with that because uh, prior to writing it, I had very little knowledge at all about how string instruments really worked. How um, long have you been and, working on that? String Quartet was the first big project I started working on when I got to music school. Like, wow! I probably started it in September or October of 2019, uh, so it's almost been a year since I started that, which is insane to think. Um, the String Quartet has a title. It's called Home. Each of the movements has its own sort of subtitle. First movement is subtitled Family. The second is subtitled Love and Loss. The third is subtitled Memories, and it's a scherzo. And the fourth movement is titled uh, Self-Discovery. And uh, I'm probably proudest of the second movement so far, Love and Loss. It's the one that I've, the one that I've gotten recorded mm. um, and performed live for an audience. 
Um, but yeah, so that's probably the, the, the work in progress piece that I'm most proud of. But the, the finished one, I would say it's kind of a tie between Philadelphia Fanfare and Echoes. Philadelphia Fanfare public. Yeah. Awesome. Eric, I believe it is your turn. Yay! Um, <laughs> Jeez. Yay! Um, Great. <laughs> are there any instruments you would you wish you played, but you could probably never play it because of limited access? Uh, for instance, like That's a my question. pipe organ. Limited access. Instruments I wish I could play. Don't have access. I would organ would definitely be cool to play once or twice, and if I like it the first time, then I probably want to play it more. Eric, was, um, was the full full blown pipe organ? Was that a pun? Probably not, yeah. but I do I do appreciate that the pun is, it is there. Now. Anyway, it is. Now. Um, I guess I mean I guess the organ's the only thing that I can think of that I don't have some kind of access to, other than like. An Eastern instrument of some kind. I think it might be cool to learn some of like the uh, some of the East. I would love to play taiko drums, but I mean, taiko drums are available in the United States to some capacity. I'm pretty sure. Mm. I would love to play one. Taiko drums are awesome. Love those. At first, I thought you were just going to ask if there were any instruments. There are. There certainly are. I don't know if that's like a separate question that you have, like instruments that I could pretty easily access. No. <laughs> okay, I won't say it then. No. <laughs> All right, my turn. Maybe I guess. Ryan has the same question. <laughs> uh, have you ever composed collaboratively? I know you got sort of into that slightly, but have you I ever worked? Yeah. So I, have, I, have you I ever have you ever composed with someone else on the same piece of music? <laughs> Yes, but it's only happened once, and it's still it's still in progress. So, a good friend of mine who I met here at at Rutgers, um, good good friend of mine now. I, I I met him really early on, like when I first when I first got into my dorm hall. He was like one of the first people I connected with. Wow, good buddy of mine. Um, he might even be listening right now. I I don't know. Hello. His name's Brendan. Good dude. Good dude. Um, if he's not listening, he definitely watches my YouTube videos. Which is, um, nice. And uh, he uh, he and I are are working on a, a cool project. Um, we're working on writing a marching band show. It was originally just his original show, but then um, I I heard it and I was like, "Can I write percussion parts for this?" Because this is so now he he's he's writing the wind parts and mm -hmm. I'm writing the percussion parts. And uh, we've a couple times during quarantine we've got hopped on the Discord. We've started kind of working on it. Um, at the same awesome. time, we 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 aren't we aren't able to work on the exact same document. It might be possible in some of like the browser notation things. Mm. Those are really bad in my opinion. Yeah, um, I bet. He just recently bought Sibelius, though, so uh, it'll probably be a little bit easier for us to kind of do stuff now that he has Sibelius. He was originally working on a Muse score, Sibelius, but uh, hmm. yeah, generally it, it's a lot of fun to. To do that, especially because you know we already we were we already had a pretty strong connection, um, and uh, we both have interest in writing for for marching ensemble. Uh, we've both been in marching ensembles for the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> so what is it? What has it been like uh, composing with someone in the same piece of music? 
Um, well, luckily, luckily we're working on different sections of the of the ensemble, so uh -huh. kind of easier than say two people writing a solo piece because there's not. It, it's definitely much harder for ideas to conflict when um, writing for percussion is so different from writing for winds. Um, yeah. And really, in, in marching band writing, the percussion parts tend to complement the wind parts. And a lot of the show that he had was already written. Um, so I started off just kind of writing percussion parts to the, the wind parts he already had. But I reached a point where... Um, I reached a point where... Uh, um, where he, there was like... It's not that there's no more to write for, but... Uh, I, I, I kind of... This is hard to describe, but... Uh, he's not a composition major. He's a music education major. Um, so he he's not getting any teaching and composition, but it's it's been cool to kind of uh, it's been cool to kind of kind of help him through that and like give him my advice and my feedback. Your teacher, um, teacher about about his, his works. Um, yeah, so uh, cool composing collaboratively. Collaboratively, <laughs> um, it's it's definitely something that would be difficult for me if it weren't with the right person. Luckily, right now I'm doing it with the right person the right way. Hmm. Cool. So yeah. I guess are you going to say Eric? <clears throat> <laughs> Never mind. Alright, oh, my turn. Besides the trumpet, what is your least favorite <laughs> instrument and why? Please be specific. So I can't talk about yeah. why. Please I don't be like Pacific. So, Please be specific. So I can't talk about why I don't like trumpet. Sure, go ahead, but don't make it more time than other instruments. Okay. So the thing, the thing, the thing about trumpet, right? Um, I've I've been realizing realizing this more and more lately. Is um, it's not even that I don't like the trumpet. It's just that I don't like high trumpet because that's I mean trumpet is. Is already naturally pretty loud because of the way it's built. But I, I've seen that in the trumpet community, it's like a competition to see who can play higher notes. And that shouldn't be what music is about. It should be about creating sounds that are that are musical. And there are trumpeters out there who can make really beautiful sounds of a trumpet. Um, but I personally prefer the sound of flugelhorn to trumpet. Um, hmm. And a flugelhorn, for those who don't know, which maybe you guys as well, Essentially, yeah. very similar to a trumpet, but the sound is a little bit mellower, and the actual physical instrument is a little bit taller. So I think the piping is like a little longer. It's in the same key though, and I know Ryan, you kind of are still kind of struggling to wrap your head around instrument transposition, and that's pretty fair because it's a weird thing to exist. But there is yep. definitely a reason for it. I think it has something to do with like intonation or something like that. I'll probably learn more about that when I take music history. But anyway. Um, I don't know, like, the, the trumpet, to me, is just so... That's a flugelhorn, yes. Um, I love the sound of that thing, because it's it's very difficult to make a flugelhorn sound as in-your-face as a trumpet, just kind of naturally, hmm. because of the way it's built, because of its kind of mellower sound. Um, and I'm not saying that all trumpet, all trumpeters and stuff are obnoxious. Like, there are some really cool trumpet parts in John Williams' pieces. There's number five or six. Six. Or maybe five up. Six. Okay. <laughs> There's some really cool trumpet parts. Like in his, uh, in his Olympic fanfare and theme, it's got one of my favorite like trumpet lines. Um, 
and uh, Fanfare for the Common Man is a famous Aaron Copeland piece that's heavily features brass and clearly trumpet. So, like, not everything about trumpets is bad, but personally, the end. What I really don't like is like jazz scream trumpet. Yes, that's literally a thing. Is it's jazz trumpeters trying to see how high they can play and how loud they can play, and I personally like it. Um, there are plenty of people who do, and there's people who may be offended by that. I just I don't uh. like scream trumpet. Um, anyway, other than trumpet, I don't know. I mean, I these favorite instrument. Are we talking about like to play or to hear or to write for? Because the above. Because it was funny though. <laughs> I would never write for one in a serious context, unless I was writing some like kind of avant-garde piece. <laughs> but then, then it would be hard to take it seriously because it's a kazoo. Anyway, so other um, than trumpet, other than trumpet, there aren't really any other instruments that I don't like. Um. And like I said, it's not even that I don't like trumpet. It's just that I don't like certain certain aspects of the trumpeter community. Uh, um, but I also know some really cool people who. Uh, um, uh, hmm. Okay, I I can't exactly think of an instrument, but I can think of a trend that happens with people who play a particular instrument that I really despise. Go for it. So when I'm listening to people play acoustic guitar, and I hear that god-awful fret sliding sound that mm. I hear so many people amplify, they amplify it in the mix in order to give it some sort of authentic sound. I hate it. it it's just, I, I, ah. Yeah, Unless I know it's exactly being used what you're talking about. Unless it's being used in a musical way that's like deliberate and specific. Yeah, like part of the rhythm. For an effect or something. But otherwise, just there I know there's a way to slide between chords a little bit more quietly. There has to be. I I mean I only played acoustic guitar for like a year, but there's there's gotta be some way to maybe not make that so loud. <laughs> but I yeah. like acoustic guitar. I love the sound of acoustic guitar as a melodic instrument. More than a, a chordal instrument, but yeah, hmm. my thought on that—the best I can come up with, other than trumpet. So, other than other than screaming, okay, so screaming jazz trumpet and obnoxious fret slidey sound on guitar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, my God. All right, my next question is: mm -hmm. What is the hardest part about composing for you? Not hmm. not composing for you. You know yeah, what I, you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> The hardest part for me about yes, um, definitely a tough question to answer. Um, but it's an easy question I, to ask. I guess I'd probably say something along the lines of, uh, uh, um, I guess like accepting my my work almost, and like um, feeling kind of pride once I've written it. I kind of struggle with um, with that still. I'm getting better with that. I'm getting better at, at um, kind of accepting it and actually feeling proud of my work. There there are times where just recently I was trying to write something for a big project and I I, I deleted it like three times um, oh, wow. because I just couldn't. And and I, I liked all I, like 
I, I, I liked three of them, but I, I didn't feel like they worked, even though one of them probably could have, but I already scrapped at this point, so I got to start over anyway. Um, hmm. but, but, you know, I, that might be it. Um, I, I would say, other than that, maybe maybe writing for particular instruments that I don't know a whole lot about. I mean, that's a pretty common struggle yeah. for a lot of composers, but I bet. Um, that's just the nature of not knowing things. But, you know, like, writing for... My, my harp writing isn't very good. I'm pretty weak there. Um, my piano writing is improving, I think. Um, uh, my flute writing could use some work. Um, I don't have a lot of solo works. I, I, I kind of rely a lot on harmony, which is a problem sometimes when you're writing for a monophonic solo instrument, mm. um, which is something that a lot of composers are going to be tasked to do at some point if they tend to compose for a long time. The yeah. only solo piece I've written is Robin in a Rainstorm, really. Which is for um, piano. Although right? I was commissioned... Yeah, and that's, that's a polyphonic instrument. I was I was commissioned to write a marimba solo, but marimba is also polyphonic. So that really would be... That, that really wouldn't help that weakness so much. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, yeah, as far as like um, the hardest part, I would say it's either you know taking taking pride in in stuff and recognizing accomplishment, and uh, it's either that or um, writing for instruments that I am not super comfortable. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> My question. Yes. I only have um... one more, by the way. Okay. Ooh. One more serious one, anyway. And then you have one super serious. You're right. Um, I'm not sure if you already answered this. Maybe you kind of did, but when composing and or and slash or arranging a piece of music, <laughs> where do you usually start, or is there no real way of starting in one specific spot for making the music? Also, is it different throughout the genres? Um, that's a pretty good question. Uh, and there's actually an interesting way I can answer that. So, I, I've started I've started different pieces in different places. Um, like yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what I assume. For because... instance, Robin in a Rainstorm. I started with that title. I looked out the window and I saw that, and I, I got that title in my head, and I liked the alliteration of it, and I liked the kind of sound of it. Um, and so I took that title, and. Uh, I can't, that's distracting. Um, <laughs> Eric posted a GF in our Um, um Alright. Thanks wow. for information. Anyway, so uh, Robin and Rainstorm just started with, I had that title and then I ran with that and so um, with that piece I knew that there were certain effects that I wanted to a solo piano and so I knew I wanted the piece to start out with these like light um light kind of raindroppy notes it's like high-pitched notes that are kind of like softly played kind of not random necessarily but they sounded random just they, they sounded they sounded random but just organized enough to make sense um if if that statement makes any um nice random word and i also and i knew i also wanted a a thunderous effect so like tremolo on the really low keys that kind of crescendo and decrescendo like rolling yeah, thunder yeah. So those are two effects that I used a lot in that piece. Um, so you start and, with uh, other than that, sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Hmm. Uh, another 
another case where that kind of happened, uh, a piece Boardwalk Nights, which I might release before this podcast comes out, because this one's probably not coming out until September. Um, probably late September, this one, if not October. Um, depending on when I get around to actually getting these up. Um, but uh, Boardwalk Nights is, is my first big band chart. I think I briefly mentioned it earlier. Um, and for those who don't know, big band is uh, a jazz ensemble consisting of five saxophones, four trumpets, four trombones, uh, and a rhythm section. And a partridge. I might have missed it. Yes. Um, I don't think I missed anything, actually, but whatever. Um, so it, it's it's a very standard. It, uh, it was a popular ensemble type in, like, 40s music. Composers like Glenn Miller, Duke Ellington, uh, they wrote a lot for jazz big band. Um, and I, I've wanted to write for big band for years. Um, and uh, I had this title in my mind from about sophomore year of high school, and it was called Boardwalk Nights. And uh, and it comes from so many of my memories of being on, on the boardwalk at night, seeing all the different lights and the atmosphere and the smells and just the energy of that atmosphere is just one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite aesthetics. I, I just I love it. So I wanted to capture that with jazz. Um, and uh, I tried multiple times to write something to fit that title. Um, the problem was I never took the time to study big band orchestration. I never took the time to study jazz harmony because it's very different from classical harmony or even pop harmony, really. Um, although pop harmony, some pop harmony kind of takes jazz harmony. But anyway, I digress. Um, so I, I had this title, Boardwalk Night. And I tried like two different times to just jump in and write a big band chart. And for someone very inexperienced in jazz, that's usually not a good idea. Uh, so on the third attempt, which was very recent, it was completely during quarantine. It was probably about two months ago, maybe, or maybe a month ago. I don't even know. Um, I decided to take a completely different approach. And I started by writing lyrics, which I really never do. Um, and you're probably wondering, lyrics you said it was for a big band you, you didn't mention a singer and there's not one in a big band usually what i did instead was i wrote it for a jazz combo vocal um a combo usually or actually i think i wrote it for a trio vocalist pianist and drum or i'm sorry piano bass drums with a vocal so i guess that would kind of be a combo um so i took so i wrote lyrics for a singer and then added a jazz trio underneath um, just so I could lay down the harmony, the structure, and make a melody to these lyrics. Um, and that was the strategy that ultimately worked. Because um, then I, ha I finished that version with lyrics, and then I took that melody and that harmony and, and arranged it for big band, and completely just everything just, just happened. And it worked out really, really well. Um, so that's, that's, that's a different way that I've started the process. Um, so yeah, there was, you know, I guess that, I guess that's both kind of starting with a title. I don't always start with a title. Um, like for instance, let's start with, um, for my library again, because I know there's, I know there are some that I, I don't, um, I believe so. I think when I wrote main theme, well, I can't talk about that yet. Um, <laughs> nice. um, Yeah. But okay, you'll know what I'm talking about. When I wrote that that theme that you know what I'm talking about, yeah. I believe I started with that main melody that doesn't come in until after the intro. I see. That makes um, sense. 
another one that I think was like that was um I do start a lot of pieces from the beginning, which is not always a great idea because then you know you don't have a good idea of form mm-hmm. uh if you start the very beginning and just kind of make it as you go. It's not always the best way to do it um I, okay, so the string quartet, I didn't start from the middle per se. But what I did do with the string quartet is I jumped around. Mm. Where I started with the first movement, then I did the second movement, then I tried a third movement, but I, you know, I, I still have a lot to learn about scherzo and trio form and stuff. And, you know, I need to listen to more scherzi and figure things out with that. So instead, I just skipped to the fourth movement and started writing that and liked what I got so far. Then. Recently, I came back. I think it was while my my second semester was happening. I went back. I tried to write a different scherzo, and I, it kind of worked there. So I kind of did it like a one, two, four, three. But then yeah. four, four is only halfway done, and three still fully done yet. I did a very similar thing with a piece I'm working on, Constellation Suite. It's basically a suite of six six short sort of pieces, all related to different constellations. It ends with uh. Orion the Hunter, um, and then goes through a couple other ones and ends on the Phoenix. And so I wrote, I wrote Orion the Hunter in its entirety first. Then, I think I wrote like the first like three measures of the next second movement, and then I don't think I started the third movement yet. And I moved right to the fourth one because I knew I wanted the fourth one to be Apis the Bird of Paradise, um, and I knew that I wanted that to be really kind of John Williams-y, there's number seven. Um, and it's, it's, it's very, it's very, uh, it's kind of on the nose how similar it is um, to the E.T. soundtrack, specifically <laughs> that flying theme I mentioned really early on in this uh, this episode. Just the, call the, it an arrangement if anyone mentions it's, that. It's, it's not it's, an arrangement, though. Like, I'm it has enough difference to it, I think. Um, though it is very similar and it might not be a great thing. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that but uh so I, I basically wrote it in the order of one first like five measures of movement two then i went to four then i started six then i came back started like writing like bars of movement three and i think i went back to six i think i was actually i think that what i currently have is the sixth was actually going to be a seventh and another one hmm. but i think i scrapped the idea of one of them so now it's only six um so the only movement that's done is the first uh and then two and three both have like bars in them. Movement four is like maybe halfway what I want it to be. Movement five is non-existent, and movement six maybe a third of how long. Essentially, like the intro and then uh, a transition into the second big section of that movement. But anyway, um, so yeah, like mostly I tend to take uh, the approach of starting from the beginning and or starting with a title. Um, which sometimes works for me. Um, it's so far worked pretty decently well. Um, although one of these days I do want to attempt to start somewhere else. You know, I almost, I almost want to start a piece at the the climax or at the end. Um, yeah, that would definitely be an interesting, like, change different way to do it. the head of the composition department, uh, Dr. Robert Aldridge, he's a pretty pretty uh, accomplished composer. I think he has a couple 
Grammys. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, he's he's written some really cool stuff. Um, he 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 leads that composition uh, seminar that I mentioned. Mm. Um, and uh, he he was talking about a similar thing about uh, you know maybe start from the climax and work your way backwards so you can build up to that climax, or start from the ending and you know see if you can see if you can write some ideas that you can then take from the ending start with them and then develop from the start to the end or something like that um, <laughs> um i just had a funny thought i'm sorry and uh um i mean yeah so mostly i tend to start at the beginning put it in my field um but i tend to either start with a title or a particular melody in my head sometimes i'll start with a chord progression um, and then I'll kind of write a melody over that. Uh, a lot of times I'll just sit at the piano and, and noodle around and find some chord progressions that I like. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really great at piano enough to compose completely from piano. Um, but I am getting better at piano to the point where I might reach that point maybe at the end of, end of next school year. I might be good enough at piano to write from it. Hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how all that stuff goes. But yeah, I finally finished answering your question. <laughs> Welcome back. There you go. <laughs> so, my question? Yes. Yeah, you were the one you asked like how do you start or whatever? Mhm. Mm yeah. All right. So my last question is a big one, but it doesn't have to be a big one. What? Never mind. All right. Okay. I have, I, have, I don't have any more serious. Never mind. I mean, I totally have a serious yeah, very serious question. All right, my my last one is a big one, but it doesn't have to be. All right, okay. have you ever entered a composing competition? Okay, so this is a story that yeah. I I was I almost told in Ryan's episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I saved it for this. It's not it's not a it's not a great story or anything, but I've only ever entered one story. Hmm. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I've only entered one, and, uh, I unfortunately didn't win. I did spoil the, uh, the end of that, but I mean, you know, it's whatever. Um, yes. it, I wasn't really concerned about winning more than, it was a really good growing and learning experience. For me. Hmm. So, uh, for those who have been on my YouTube channel, uh, if you take a listen to the original version of Echoes that I posted, it's the one with a black thumbnail with white text on it that's really boring and just bad. The, the piece of music isn't bad, but the thumbnail is um, So that version of Echoes I wrote in high school. I was a junior, and uh, I wrote it for, I believe it was two marimbas, vibraphone, glockenspiel, and two, or I'm sorry, two marimbas, vibraphone, glockenspiel, drum set, and an auxiliary percussion part. Um, and, uh, that original version, I was really only writing to perform at a talent show with some friends or whatever. Um, and that never happened. So I just kind of had the piece and I uploaded it to YouTube and I, I, I was gonna, or I think I did, I think it was one of the pieces. Yeah, it was, it was one of the pieces that I submitted to get accepted to run. 
to get accepted to their composition ah. department. One of the three pieces that I submitted, uh, I submitted Echoes, The Passing Storm, and a piece that I was writing for a friend's video game project that never came through. Skyark, right? Uh, yes. It was a game that was going to be called Skyark. It was based loosely, I believe, on certain aspects of the story of the anime Sword Art Online. I think that was like some of the... I don't know the specifics, but at least of the inspiration for it. I do know specifics game was going to be and stuff like that because i was you know um it was a buddy of mine victor from high school i don't know he's probably not listening um but if you are what's up that's all i'm going to say i'm not going to say his last name like social security number because <laughs> i totally know <laughs> yep is the longest time i barely knew mine um anyway uh so um with echoes uh i believe I think I originally saw the competition information in December 2019. And uh, it was a call that went out for a piece for four to six percussionists um, to be performed. And the, the winner would receive like $1,000. Um, a lot of competitions have prizes along those lines. It's usually like you know, $500 or $1,000 or something like that. Nice. Sometimes they go for like $5,000. They're pretty big, big prizes. Um, and uh so uh also part of it would be they would fly me out to oregon where they would form the piece um Ooh. yeah and that didn't happen because i lost but okay it's okay because uh i still learned a lot because what i did was my initial idea when i saw that was okay i gotta write a piece for six percussionists but then i realized echoes is a piece for six percussionists uh-huh so i believe there was a there was a length minimum and the original version of echoes did not fulfill that so my composition professor told me that um it would probably be a good idea to flesh it out not only to make it longer to fulfill that but to to you know improve the piece because it was it was fine it was whatever it, I, don't, I don't think it was a bad piece in its original state but i really like how it turned out after the, the blow up if you will um i developed the material more um i made the piece more technically challenging because the uh the the people in my high school we didn't really have great percussion teachers so uh at least not while i was there my, my freshman year when i wasn't involved in the percussion stuff we had a pretty decent percussion teacher but after that our percussion staff wasn't consistent and uh you know it i don't know it, something fell through there. I don't know the specifics, but anyway. Um, so none of our percussionists were particularly uh, advanced. Not even me. I'm still not advanced. Um, no, I've only been really playing percussion for about a year and a half now. So, or maybe two years. Like, or I guess. Well, I guess I've really been playing percussion sophomore, like years. But like, not in the same way I am now. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I basically made some of the some of the parts more technically challenging. Most of the marimba and the uh, mostly the marimba and drum set parts were the ones that became more technically challenging. Um, I added a cool like drum break section. It, it, the new versions on my YouTube. So if you listen to them back to back, the the beginning doesn't sound very different, but um, you know obviously there's like two whole more minutes music there. 
Um, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, um, I I did write. I did really only do that kind of glow up. It was technically it was for the competition, but um, even though I didn't win the competition, I am really glad I did that because yeah, I love I love the the new version so much more. Like I mentioned, like that was the piece that I think when you asked which one I was most proud of, I think that was the one that I said was my proudest finished piece. Mm-hmm. I think I tied it with Philadelphia Fanfare, but um, yeah, like I, I definitely think that is my. Uh, I think that's some of my best work to this point um and it's I, I definitely think it's good for me as a as a percussionist to have like pieces written for percussion because uh, you know if, if i'm supposedly a percussionist slash composer and i'm not writing for percussion then you know that doesn't seem very good for marketing myself um but you know um awesome yeah i mean that's that that was my experience with competition competition composition competition <laughs> so nice. far they're very difficult to talk about um i do plan on i do plan on submitting more of them um and really i mean obviously the money's nice not to say it's not for money but more than that i do want the experience of having the pieces performed potentially having them recorded uh traveling would be nice once the global pandemic is um and things like that. I mean, I, I would, I would really love to, uh, to you know, get my music out there because how I advance in my career. Oh, cool. So, so ready for my hundred percent total seriousness? Your extreme, question? your extreme serious question. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm ready. Are you good at it? <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. Okay. Good work. Um, well, it depends on what you call it, because if oh, it, no. <laughs> if it, well, if it is composition, then I think I'm good for where I am in my career. I think I'm good. I, I think I'm good as a as a as a a, an, an, uh, a rising sophomore. If I believe that's what they call it when you're about to go mm-hmm. sophomore year in college. Um, I think I'm good for that point of my career. Mm. Uh, as a percussionist, I wouldn't say that I'm good. I'd say that I'm learning and I'm on a decent track with my learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a as a performer in general, I'd say that I'm not very good because I need to work on some things about my performance etiquette. Um, and things like that, and I need to definitely be better about. Uh, I, I I need I need to be less hard on myself performances, but I also need to dedicate yeah. more. I also need to dedicate more time to practicing and learn learn how to practice better, if that makes any sense. Because there are certain mm-hmm. strategies that are more and less effective for practicing, and I need to figure out what works best for me. Because I still haven't done that yet. Um, but generally, um, I think I'm. I think I'm a good composer. If you asked me that a year ago, I probably wouldn't have said that. But <laughs> I think, I think that's. A good... I'll remember to ask you a year ago. I think it's. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's good that I can say that now. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
All right, you ready I, for I, my I, I, extremely I took a, I took a serious, question? serious question and give it an even more serious answer? You ready for my extremely serious question? Yes. So I actually changed mine because I thought of a way better one. Mm-hmm. Was it originally right. "Can You Make Me a Song"? No, I don't oh, okay. remember what it was originally. I can I can undo <laughs> it is and see. Now, make, can you make me a song? No, <laughs> it is currently. All right, are you ready for this? This is this is a very yeah. good question, right? What's your favorite piece of play on violin? Do you look upon John Williams as a competitor? No. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys, for listening to 2020 Hearing. Um... I, okay. <laughs> no, I really don't because I, if any, obviously I look at him as an inspiration, like so many other people. Um, so not a competitor. Not even in the slightest because I'm not nearly at his level. He's 88 years old. He's Who is? Posing John Williams. Aha! <laughs> number eight. <laughs> Right, yeah. Um, that's also the day. Of, uh, it's also the day of February that he was born in 1932. February 1932. Um, wow, anyway. boy. Uh, Fanboy. So yeah, I, 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 I am. I, I don't consider him. I don't consider him an, uh, an, an opponent or a, a competitor. My lord and savior. <laughs> they don't stand on the same platform. Hmm. Um, Good answer. He he is. He's he's incredible at what he does. He has been for a very long time, longer than some people give him credit for. Um, John Williams has been writing music since, or at least writing music for film alone. The since 1931, right? Nope, since the 1950s. That's before he was born. 31. He, I believe, he scored his first film in like 1954, or 54, I think. First, wow. it wasn't was a very 22. big film, um, but he had a, he had a couple good ones in the 60s. Uh, some of my some of my favorite scores come from the '70s. The Towering Inferno from 1974. Uh, Jaws is from 1975. Hmm. The original Star Wars was '77. Superman was '78. Um, and then the '80s was like a great era for him. It was E.T. It was some of the later Star Wars. It was the Indiana Jones trilogy. It's a trilogy. Um, <laughs> although apparently they're making a fifth one. Um, yeah. E.T. or something. Um, I really hope he'll still be in the condition to he was 88 and i've heard that at, at recent concerts and stuff he's had some trouble walking hmm. that's what happens when you get older um but i think i think that, i think that his music will leave a huge legacy for pretty much ever um who's you know who's <laughs> um i thought you were talking about harrison ford I do like Michael Jackson's music too, but I don't think I like his as much as John Williams's. There's number nine. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, like I, I don't at all see him as a competitor. I, I, I give anything to meet him somehow. Obviously not right now because, you know, he's probably extremely susceptible to coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, considering that he's 88 years old, as I mentioned. Um, Born on February eighth, nineteen thirty two. Nineteen thirty two, yes. Um, Who is not only that, John Williams. Um, number ten. Not only that though, but you, you expected it to get up like above twenty. I'm sure. <laughs> I did. You, you really were you up. were thinking about it, weren't you? Now you're now you're forcing it too. Like now you're now you're forcing it. You were trying it to hold it back, weren't you? It would have been it would have been like at like seven if you didn't. Anyway. Anyway. Um, what seven? The the, <laughs> the counter of how many times I said my favorite. Who's that? You know, Eric. I, mm. I really don't. 
All right, okay. that is that you has been the podcast. Oh, I, I I guess I guess I'm done. Yes, you are. <laughs> I guess okay. Yep. There was I, I there was something I was gonna say to like, but I honestly can't remember where I was going with that anyway. You'd love so. to meet John Williams. Yeah, I mean obviously yeah yeah that's what I was saying. <laughs> I would and obviously the whole pandemic thing, very old. Um, but you know if if circumstances allow it, you know I I would I would really try to be very conscious of. I, I wouldn't want to be super fanboy or anything. I I I try my best to be very respectful and not overwhelm him or anything. But mm-hmm. I would I would really want it to be known how much I appreciate his work and um you know how 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 it's really kind of driven me to to get to where I am. And he's he's not the only. He's just the one that uh, is probably most known for it. There are some other composers that I really do enjoy. Maybe he's um, listening. I highly doubt that. It would be very cool to find out that he was, though. I don't think he has the time to be on the podcast. Or maybe he does in the pandemic. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, there's there are some other composers. Um, other film composers. Composers who don't compose for film. Uh, classical composers, even. Um, Aaron Copeland, I mentioned him previously. He's a pretty pretty big inspiration as of late. Um, and I, I, have a, I, have one, I have his book that I, I need to read. Um... I also have a book about John Williams that I can read too. Um, that's uh, that's eleven. That's eleven. I thought, oh right, because I didn't say it when Eric said it. So Eric, Eric's would have been eleven. Yes. Say what? Um, say what I said just a second ago. <laughs> anyway, you say just a second you, ago. Well, you should have been paying attention. That's your fault. Um, come on, Eric. Twenty twenty hearing. Yeah, yeah. You don't have it, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah. So this is this has been fun. This was a really good idea, Ryan. I don't know. I don't know if we made that clear at the any of these episodes. This was oh, yeah, Ryan's, Ryan's yeah. idea. We were originally going to talk about the topic that will probably be the topic for the next podcast. Next, next, uh, next year, 2023. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to go when, when when I'm about to graduate college. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, in the next episode, I don't know if we want to spoil it, but uh, it's up to you guys. We want to say what it will be about. Games. Yeah, we're, we're going to go in depth in about about games uh, for all three of us in general. I know we got a pretty good look at some of the gaming that Eric does. I'm sure he'll wait have some more things to say about certain. In about it'll be fun. Uh, in about four seconds, it's going to be twenty two, twenty two, twenty two. Oh my! It God. is now. Wow, that's amazing. That was beautiful. All right, that's how long we've been cried. recording as well. So I almost cried. Twenty two hours we've been recording. This. Yes. We've, How long uh, is it actually? It's um, it's, it's a roundabout, Eric's and mine combined. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, right, yours was the shortest, right, Ryan? Yes, felt, but barely. Felt... Oh my god, I'm I'm sorry, guys. That's all right. You definitely have the I most. Too much. <laughs> well. Um. All right. Because well, you have you've a lot to talk hearing, about. You enjoyed hearing my voice too much. Uh, continue tuning in podcast where you'll continue hearing my voice too much and For check the following out years. I guess, I guess this voice. Is, now that we've concluded the series that we can start really plugging ourselves so since i've talked a lot i'll let these guys kind of anything they want to uh i have absolutely nothing to plug off to you jason what <laughs> uh i have i have a youtube that's uh neat i suppose yeah it, it's very relevant to programming 
Yes, know? I do. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I have been trying to shift more to that. I don't know how much that has been successful or even obvious, but... Um, well, I mean, it will probably take a step back once we release this big project we're working right. on. But... So, if you want to see that, subscribe to R2B-E-E-A-T-O-N on YouTube. You can actually just put that in the, the YouTube link, because Ryan got it before YouTube took that away. Yes. So, that is my plug. Also, my website, spea.cc. I'm very proud of that link. <laughs> can you get there from r2b.com, though? Uh, No. Oh, okay. So you're hosting two sites. I am. Yeah. Actually, uh, I'm hosting... Anyway, Eric. <laughs> Eric. Um, you got anything to upload? You, yeah, um... I'm not uploading currently. I haven't <gasps> uploaded in, like, a month or two, maybe. <laughs> Those are amateur numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Get good, Eric. Yeah. Get good at not posting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can follow me at Loyal Eric on YouTube. That's it. What about? Wait. Do you, do you not stream at all? No. <gasps> oh. Okay. So then I guess don't. Follow <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. You won't. You won't. Yeah. You won't. You have. You want. You could. The bullet's Loyal Eric on Switch as well. So I guess why not? I guess if he does stream. Anyway. Yeah. And uh, I guess I guess that leaves me. Cause I I haven't talked enough on. Um, yeah, I think I we YouTube... need to talk a bit more. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel, JC Music. Um, what do you do on it? I do various music-related things. Though so there's been a surprising lack of John Williams there. That will hopefully change in the coming months. Um, Twelve. Very very soon, I will. Ryan and I and a couple of our other friends be releasing a big project so look at that that will that will re release across multiple things uh there'll be a trailer on ryan's channel there will be uh, a big announcement on my channel about it and there will be a big release on my band camp all uh, of which is... by jason what oh yeah the i guess i make the trailer <laughs> yeah. but um i thought you were saying that the thing the trailer's for is all by me and i'm like oh, what no, no. <laughs> um but yeah so that that's pretty exciting um so yeah there's my Bandcamp. i'll probably link that in this description it's just bandcamp.com slash j hyphen c hyphen music because jc is available in any other format uh because it's apparently a very common username hmm. but if you search it on youtube i'm the first result nice wow that's awesome uh, it took a while. yeah come subscribe on yeah. youtube um i do have a twitch i do intend to somewhat soon although uh my semester is about to start about a week and a half. Aww. I'm gonna have a little bit less time. Things. Mm. I do want to stream some stuff soon. That's all. Twitch.tv slash JC Music. Um, but I don't. I don't do much music on my Twitch. Although I do some streams. Those are mostly for gaming because I don't have anywhere else to put my gaming stuff. Unless I make a whole new YouTube channel, and I've tried running multiple channels at once, and it's it's uh, awful, and I hate it. <laughs> so I'm just gonna run one, and it's gonna be. Uh, not very popular, but that's fine because I like doing it, and yeah. So, uh, I'm a composer. I make music, if you couldn't tell. Um, oh, really? yeah, that's that's available on Bandcamp. It will be. It's not. There's nothing on there now, but um, yeah, it's that. I have Twitter now. I guess you're mm -hmm. on Twitter. Uh, let me look up because I, I I had to make my I had to make my Twitter uh, at something weird. I think it's I think it's at Music by JDC. Mm -hmm. um, 
I want to double check that real quick though, so I don't get it wrong. Oh, I got to look at my Twitter password. Get it and I get it down. Um, I have not tweeted anything yet. It is that. But I... What? It is music by JDC. Okay. And you Thank have you. another follower. Cool. Um. Yeah. So I have Twitter. If you want to, if you want to tweet at me or see what I'm tweeting about, my first tweet will probably be the big announcement. Ooh. Um. So music guess... and video games are pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, that's my bio. Nice. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's. That's me. I've talked a lot. I do that. Sorry. Uh, and if we, uh, I guess if we give it about two more step. minutes, it will be but... Eric and mine combined. <laughs> okay, let's just talk for two more minutes. Wait, what? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, and oh, anything yeah. you guys, anything you guys missed in your episodes that you yeah, want to come yeah, back? I could, I could really quick tell that that story that I forget. Crap, what was it? Uh, <laughs> uh, it was the the um the location uh, stuff. No. Where you were running oh like right, right! I told that. Never mind. Oh, I told that to you. But anyway, so there's the game called Minecraft Earth. It's like a, uh, it's like Pokemon Go, but for Minecraft. And I don't it's play like Pokemon it. Pokemon Go. But I hey, wanted Ryan, to. You gotta uh, make it like less than two minutes. Yeah, though, I know. I know. Now it's less than one chat. minute. Be quiet. All right, go. So, so, uh, <laughs> so Just I wanted to. Off. So I wanted to find a way to okay. get uh, the the location of someone playing the game. Not like someone specific, just anyone, I, because I wanted to try. Because the game uses street map data that's accurate to real life. So I, long story short, uh, spent several weeks on five different machines at one time uh, at one point. Like at one point I was running it on, running the program at on five different machines at the same Simultane. time. Yes, yeah, simultaneously. Uh I spent several weeks scanning the entire North America in order to... The entire North America. <laughs> the entire North America, the entire United States, to get uh, the road data out of it. So the street data and the length, the geographical coordinates, and its relationship to other roads nearby. And the whole project failed because, you know what, there are a lot of roads in the United States. <laughs> there sure are. The end. Eric, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? about you have six seconds. Game? You have six seconds. I don't. Okay. Uh, gaming. Fun. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>